nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And Lonely Planet telling us we were pretty much not able to go through the plains of northern Uruguay meant that we were determined to go through the plains of northern Uruguay. We'd slept brilliantly the night before. We were refreshed. We were ready to go. We'd kind of figured out roughly where we needed to go. And we'd had the first idea of where we needed to go. So what I mean by that is we knew that we needed to end up in a place uh, probably called Choi, which is on the Uruguay-Brazilian border, right on the extreme east of the country. Um, or if we could get to a place called Punta del Diablo, then you know, we would aim to get there. In the Lonely Planet, it was good fun because there was no information on bus times. It was pretty much, don't bother trying and do this journey. It's pointless. Up yours. You know, don't do it. Just don't do it. But we figured out from Salto, we could get a bus to a place called Paysandu. And from Paysandu, we could get into a place called Dacuarembo. We thought we'd take it step by step. The first port of call was Paysandu. We got a bus down there, took an hour or two. Got into Paysandu, done what we do, have, have, a, have a good walk around. Because, you know, how many travellers are going to say they've been to Paysandu in Uruguay? I imagine not many. A good walk around. And then had you know, the Uruguayans and the Argentinians, Brazilians as well, you know, love a good meat platter. Absolutely, absolutely everything. They also eat quite late as well. We're in the northern plains of Uruguay. It's their winter, so you know, it's, quite, it's quite chilly. We've gone to this uh, restaurant. And again, for us, being English, it's quite late. Well, we think it's late. It's about 8 o'clock in the evening. We're following this food recommendation that um, the guy at the, the hotel had given us. So we went in, the place opened at eight o'clock. We've, we've looked through the menu and uh, we've basically seen that you can order this big, this big massive bucket of food, this char grill of food uh, in effect. So we've looked at it and we've said to the waiter, you know, we're the only people in the restaurant, it's way too early for people to eat. We said, yeah, we'll have that one, please. Now the waiter explained to us that he, if we were to have this, it would take about an hour to cook I think he was over egging it. He said it would take about an hour to cook. You would be sitting around waiting around for a long time. D did we want to do that? By the way, there, you know, there's a game of football on TV. Yeah, I'll put the TV on. You can watch that, have a bit. So we thought that was a great idea. He was trying to really subliminally trying to convince us to go for something a bit simpler. I don't think Chef wanted to be cooking up that much that quickly, especially for the first customers of the evening, and especially that early as well, considering that most people will eat between 10, 11, maybe 10 and 12. So we said, we said to the waiter, that's fine. He went off and all you could hear, our Spanish wasn't great, but all you could hear was slamming and banging and shouting. I don't think Chef was pleased that he had to uh, immediately start preparing that. Hats off to Chef though. That food was delicious. It was, we had a bit of everything. I'm sure we had parts of pigs that we shouldn't have eaten. Uh, there was definitely pigtail there. I think there was trotters, you know, uh, whatever you, whatever could have been on that plate, you name it, we had it. One thing we did come across, which was incredibly sexy, was uh, morcilla or morcilla, if you're in Argentina. It's effectively black pudding. But rather than what we do in this country, where you get some black pudding and you cut it up into slices and fry it, Oh, no, 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 no. Over there, you get the whole ring of black pudding, you bang it in the oven for about 20 minutes or whatever it takes, and, you know, it will sort of cook from the inside. Uh, it will explode a little bit, so, you know, the stuff will come out of the skin, 
and it's it's effectively baked black pudding but holy mother of mm -mm, it is absolutely fantastic what stuff's addictive we got through everything uh, absolutely everything on on that big bowl of food a couple of things that we weren't too sure about uh, i don't know might have been possibly been some pig penis there not really sure try not to think about it to be honest but there you are if you've never had pig penis before um yeah when in uruguay feel free so that was pace and we thought we'd go a bit rogue so the following day we knew we'd be able to get to taco rembo quite easily we left early afternoon because again that was the only bus that day was early afternoon a couple of hours on bus turned up at Takarembo and where we'd had no internet nothing like that we didn't do roaming on our phones we got to Takarembo it's relatively late in the afternoon because it's winter the sun's going to start coming down soon we had no idea where we were going to stay so in our expert Spanish we managed to talk to the person at the bus station in Takarembo and she was incredibly helpful. She found a homestay for us. Uh, the guy came and picked us up. It was freezing fucking cold. Kid you not. But we'd also figured out that the bus the following morning, because we managed to work it out, we could get a bus the following morning and we could end up in Choi in the, in the afternoon. So we could feasibly get for Taka Remember where we were all the way down to Choi in the evening so traversing the northern plains of uruguay was possible thankfully the guy picked us up for the homestay we decided to spend an extra day in tacarembo we thought we'd spend you know two nights there one because we got there quite late number two we just wanted to go for a nice walk and we knew that the second leg of that copper libertadores final uh, was going to be on tv tacarembo was all right you know quite tiny um not a ridiculous amount going on we had a you know, walk around, that was about it, had some food. And we ended up in the bar uh, the evening, in, in the evening, watched the, the second leg of that game, uh, which the Argentinian team, San Lorenzo, won. And I remember just walking back to the little homestay and it was fucking cold. It, it, minus two, minus three, you know. I mean, it was, it was chilly. Considering we've been used to Rio 20, 25 degrees plus to come out here, it's um, a change of scenery, uh, to say the least. What didn't help was getting up at five o'clock the following morning, knowing that we had to be on the first bus of day out of Takarembo, because if we didn't get first bus of day, we would just be stuck in the arse end of nowhere, which we didn't particularly want to do. It also doubled up as a school bus, which meant that rather than getting some shut-eye at five, five, six o'clock in the morning, we were inundated with loads of whinging school kids, which I didn't think put us in the greatest of moods uh, for the rest of the day. But rolling through the Uruguayan plains was fantastic. You've got the cold air settling around. You've got, you know, all this mist rising off the fields. You've got cows that are starting to, you know, walk around. It was serene and it was quite, it's almost like an out-of-body experience, in all fairness. We had to stop off at a, a couple of places. So it was one of those days where there'd be a few hours of bus journey, stay for an hour or so somewhere, get another couple of hours bus journey, stay there for a couple of hours, and then finish off the day by heading over to our destination, which again is Choi. About three hours after we left Takarembo, rolling through the plains of Northern Uruguay, visiting or going past some 
small places like uh, Las Toscas, uh, Cuchilla de Caraguada, Poblado Los Silvera, all these, uh, you know, all the household places that you need to go to. We ended up in a place called Melo. And as we discovered pretty much like most northern Uruguayan towns that are on the plains, we got there, you kind of know what to expect. We, got, we started to get used to knowing what to expect. You're going to get a main plaza, you're going to get a grid system, you're going to either stay in the bus station or you're going to get your bags and have a good walk around. In Melo, we were lucky enough to get off on time. We knew the next bus was in a couple of hours. So we booked that bus there and then. There was luggage storage at the bus station, so we just went for a nice, we just went for a nice long walk, stretch the legs. From there, it was a bus down to Trinta Vitres, which literally means 33. 30 and 3, 33, like bingo. Same principle, going to Trinta Vitres. We knew that the next bus would be leaving in a couple of hours. So we booked we booked that bus to Choi, had a walk round, scared the shit out of someone running a little sandwich stall. So they love a good steak sandwich over there, uh, which is to die they are to die for, I kid you not. We've turned up, our Spanish is a bit better. It's getting better day by day because we're practicing. And I'm not sure that this guy could quite believe those two gringos sat there asking for a sandwich. But you know, we were, we were sat there asking for a sandwich. I had a massive sandwich, great value for cash. Again, back to bus station and over to Choi. Now Choi's an interesting place. As I said, it's on that border between Brazil and uh, Uruguay. So what many people do, they will go from, they'll come from Brazil pop into Choi or the Uruguayan side, it's a bit of a tax haven, get loads of cheap goodies, uh, head back across in the border to, to Choi. It's pretty much a main road. You've got the main road through the centre of town, east to west. I kid you not, north side is Brazil, south side is Uruguay. Uh, you could literally meander between the two if you really wanted. Uh, border restrictions weren't strict, put it that way. You could one side of the road Brazil, other side of the road Uruguay. We've done the usual thing, popped off at bus station, found the that we could get to Punta del Diablo the following day. We could leave at about midday. It gave us a bit of time to, you know, walk up and down the main road in Choi. Not really ones to give in to shopping, but you know, hey, if there's gonna be a bit of Brazilian or Uruguayan duty free, then why not? Let's have a look what we can find. Bags off at hotel knew what we needed to do tomorrow, went for a walk up and down. Walked in all these supermarkets and we ended up picking up a relatively inexpensive a bottle of Lafroig quarter cask, which is about 20 quid at the time, which was very good considering the bottle would normally retail at about 35, 40 pounds. So a half price, a half price bottle of uh, Lafroig quarter cask as well, beautiful. Woke up the following morning, and for some reason, which was bizarre, the hotel decided to put Aaron and myself in a double bed, uh, which, you know, not, not ideal, and it wasn't the biggest of double beds in the world. So that probably was not ideal. Uh, that being said, for about $10 a night for both of us, it was relatively inexpensive, very comfortable, actually, in all fairness. Well, the following morning, we got up, and we, we kind of realised that we were the only ones at the hotel. There's hardly anyone there. I mean, you know, you're talking about a duty-free town in 
you know, the butt end of nowhere. It's not really going to be ridiculously popular tourist wise. But we figured out that we were the only people there. A hotel included a buffet breakfast, which, you know, over there is mainly pastries, almost continental style. You might get a bit of meat. It's mainly continental style. We've gone up, we got up, a bit dreary eyed, and we've gone into the dining room. And I kid you not, on three sides of the dining room, it is pretty much piled up with food. Piled up with food. Yeah, yeah. eggs. I think there was a bit of bacon there. There was some, you know, frying steak. There was juices, milk, dulce de leche, breads, pastries. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. The fact that there was only two of us there and they'd still gone and done full breakfast. I mean, the first thing we thought was number one, jackpot. Number two, that's a lot of food waste, assuming they don't use the same stuff day in, day out. A hell of a lot of food waste. Pretty extraordinary, to say the least. And that had a great breakfast, though. Uh, pretty much stuffed ourselves with what we could, took some extra pastries as well, because, you know, it's only going to go in the bin, so what's the point? You might as well indulge while you can. Just bonkers thinking about it. And then from Troy, popped on the bus. We popped on the bus down to Punta del Diablo. The, the bridge, I think, the bridge, oh, that's Puente. Point of the Devil, something along those lines. It was highly recommended in the Lonely Planet Guide. And we weren't quite sure really now about the southeast of, of Uruguay, or the east coast of Uruguay, because that's where we'd ended up. We knew that there's plenty of cool places that we could see. But we also knew that we wanted to spend a bit of time in Buenos Aires. We're still looking at the, we're still looking at the uh, calendar because again we know we need to be in Santiago for September. So now it was a case of it's it's winter time here. It's going to get a bit colder. Let's go with the flow. Let's turn up to a place. Let's get a feel for the area. Stay a night in a hostel. Go from there. And this was great because this is. You know, we'd learned this shit from 2011, not to be over, uh, you know, over-prepared. And that's where we'll leave this. We ended up in Punta del Diablo that day. Uh, it was pristine. Uh, the beaches were very, very nice. It was very cold as well. And I wouldn't recommend walking along big rock formations and flip-flops. Not ideal. But when we sat down and we reflected on everything, we realised that we'd pretty much gone into the the western part or northwestern part of Uruguay we had done something that even the lonely planet had recommended you know couldn't be done and that was a good sense of achievement yes it was taking a few buses uh, but the great thing was it had really pushed us with the language Spanish we'd really made ourselves uncomfortable uh, in terms of being in places we weren't familiar with, being surrounded by people that, you know, we weren't able to communicate ridiculously well with, a bit of communication. So it pushed us to learn more. It pushed us to talk more, listen more, have conversations with people on, on the streets and in restaurants and so forth. And at the end of the day, you know, we had gone across the northern plains of Uruguay. We sh had shown that it was possible certainly you know to do so within a couple of days so there was a sense of achievement there when we got to Punta del Diablo and even better the hostel unwittingly had a massive log fire and it was nothing better 
then sitting down, nice warm jumper, log fire with some Laphroaig quarter cask, an excellent way to end the evening. So nothing is impossible. We done it, we achieved it. The question was, how could we get to Buenos Aires? How could we get across to Argentina? And how many places would we visit in Southern Uruguay? You can find out that next week. Hasta luego.